0: Even when we're faithless, you remain faithful and you will never change. But Lord, we just give and give unto you, saying, Here you go. We worship you now. We ask, God, that you'd give us as a church wisdom with these funds, Lord. You'd use them for your glory. For your name, God, men and women would be encouraged and saved. Lord, we ask you would bless the other churches in our community in this time and today. Encourage the saints in carp, Lord. Build up your church for your glory. Thank you for this time to worship you, God. You are worthy. We pray in the beautiful name of Jesus Christ. Amen. 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 Well, good morning. Welcome to those of you who are here for the first time. Glad you could be with us. Just have one announcement for you guys. You guys get this flyer when you got in the door? You guys got that? Cool. Listen, this is our beloved uh, Pastor Tim Chaddock of Reality Los Angeles. And uh, yeah, amen. He, there he is. Uh, he's got an amazing class starting this week. Um, there's all the info. All the info's on your card. But listen, very, 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 very important, okay? You must RSVP by tonight. If you're wanting childcare, by tonight, go online and RSVP saying, Yes, I will want childcare. If you don't RSVP and you come with your kids, there probably won't be anybody there, okay? Okay, <laughs> so for real though, please RSVP. Okay, guys, it's gonna be an awesome class and uh, excited to see what the Lord is gonna do. And uh, that's about it for announcements. Welcome, Pastor Britt. The other's up. All
1: right. uh, morning, church. Good morning. Good morning. Uh, today's going to be a little bit difficult. I've got some bad news to share. Um... That's why the the CARP campus elders are up here. Uh, This is being shared at all three campuses. So this is some some family business that we need to take care of. And uh, it's brand new news. It just happened last night. So many of you deserve to hear some other way and, and sooner, but there just was no other way and there was no sooner, but because of your depth of relationship, I Wish many of you could have heard a different way if you 're visiting here this morning you 're going you 're going to very much see what the church is about. The church is full of sin and failure and forgiveness and restoration and uh, that 's the gospel of Jesus Christ that we have sinned greatly and that we have been forgiven because Jesus paid the price for our sins on the cross, and we are restored to relationship with God the Father, and with one another through the cross. And that's what the church is about. And you'll see a little bit of your visiting today from another church, what our church functions like. Yesterday afternoon, let me just pray first. Lord, that you would give me grace and strength. that you would cover and protect all of us involved, that you would keep us from the enemy and from the flesh, that grace and truth would abound. Your spirit would be upon us now. And Jesus, you'd be forming our thoughts and our actions and our reactions. You'd bind us together as a family. Thank you for this wonderful family, Thank you for the love that we have for one another. Thank you that the one who binds us together is greater than anything that threatens to tear us apart. Thank you, Jesus. You are the source and the center of our life and our joy in our church, that you are our senior pastor. All of our hope is in you. You are Christ the righteous. We love you. I ask that you please help me to communicate these things for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. At about 4 p.m. last night, <clears throat> Pastor G and his son Judah were in a motorcycle accident. They're both okay. Uh, Judah walked away with just a skinned knee, shin rather. Uh, he didn't go to the hospital. He was fine, went home. Pastor G was transported to the hospital. He's hurt. He's in surgery as we speak right now. As we speak right now, he's in surgery. Um, he hit a metal post with his face. He had a helmet on, but it was just a bucket helmet. He's got severe lacerations um, on his face. His nose is shattered. He's got a broken hand and some broken ribs and lost a lot of skin and a lot of flesh. And he's, he's pretty hurt. He's, he's going into surgery, but he will be okay that part is the good news. The bad news is that Pastor G had been drinking and his blood alcohol level was well above the legal limit. So Pastor G has been charged with a DUI and is together with us facing the consequences of that. We're very thankful for his life, that he's okay. Could have gone another way. We're very thankful for Judah. It must be said that this is extremely out of character for Pastor G. It's not a pattern in his life. This is not something he does. This is not something that would be expected. It's actually baffling. On all levels uh, for many of us, Pastor G is the best man we know he's the best dad I've ever seen, so this extremely out-of-character behavior, it's difficult to wrap our heads around, comes as a great shock. And, of course, on Pastor G's part, it's a terrible mistake, and it's sin. And it's a mistake that will have grave consequences for a whole lot of people. And Pastor Gene and his family need to know that we love them and that we are with them. And this is a moment for us to be a family as a church. That's what Christ called us to be. By the blood of Jesus, we're family. The blood of Christ is thicker than any other blood relationship. And a family sticks with one another. And a family loves each other at the lowest times. And a family lets love cover a multitude of sins. And a family cares deeply and carries one another's burdens. We need to be a family during this time. There's going to be difficult days ahead for us as a family. There is on lots of levels. Levels. So many of us have been ministered to so deeply by Pastor G. Nobody's ever been used by God in my life. Like he has. And that's true for so many of you here. And G's horrible mistake yesterday does not undo the glorious ministry he's had in our lives and in our church and in our community. It doesn't falsify any of the ways that he's ministered to you in the past, that he's cared for you and carried your burdens and our burdens. He's always taken us to the throne of grace where we can find help in the time of need. And now's our chance take Pastor G and his family to the throne of grace as he's done for us where he can find help in the time of need Galatians chapter 6 verses 1 and 2 says brethren if anyone is caught in any trespass you who are spiritual restore such a one in a spirit of gentleness Each one looking to yourself so that you too will not be tempted. Bear one another's burdens and thereby follow the law of Christ. Fulfill the law of Christ. If any of you is caught in any trespass, you who are spiritual, with the spiritual community of Christ, restore such a one in the spirit of gentleness, looking also to ourselves. So last night I was at the hospital until 10 p.m. And then we assembled as elders, all 13 of us together here at the Carpinteria campus. And we met until 1230 in the morning, praying, repenting, looking to ourselves, our own sin, our own part in this. The many sins that we have that if they were brought out in the open suddenly in a tragic moment, we would being no different of a place. Asking the Lord for wisdom, asking him to cover us, guide us and protect us. Then I was back at G's house until 1.30 in the morning and then I've been up since then. So the elders will be meeting this week to determine what further action needs to be taken from a church standpoint. Our goal is to walk G and his family through this, as family, to seek restoration in every way that that is possible. Again, that text says, "Each one looking to yourself, so that you too will not be tempted." You know, it's been evident as we've been journeying through the Word together in the sermons on Sunday morning that God's been wanting to teach us about holiness and pursuing holiness and righteousness. And it's easy at this moment to start to look outwardly now at what happened with G and to start to think all sorts of things and say all sorts of things. But the scriptures would, would encourage us to look inwardly. Somebody sins, you who are spiritual, restore such one in the spirit of gentleness, looking to yourselves also, lest you also fall in the same way is another translation. Scripture beckons us to look inward on our own sin. We think of the woman who was caught in adultery in the Gospels in John chapter 8. It was clear she did it. She sinned. It was a horrific failure. And there was a lot of people who were wanting justice. And so they were picking up stones to stone her, which was what the law demanded. And Jesus didn't deny her sin or make any excuses for it. Nor are we for Jesus. But he did say, wherever is without sin, you can throw the first stone. He did not deny what she did. But this is where all this stuff we've been talking about the gospel of Jesus Christ and sin and righteousness and the consequences of them and grace and mercy all become real. And we all fail in many ways, James says. We all sin in many ways. And I, I have sin in my life that if it were exposed somehow through some accident, I would, I would be horribly ashamed that you all knew. And you have sin in your lives that if the things of our hearts were exposed before one another, we'd be having this conversation about one another. It just happened that Jesus sin yesterday has become apparent and has grave consequences. And it's public so we're dealing with it publicly. But sin and failure is what we do as Christians. There's no Christianity without sin. And grace is what we are stewards of. We're called to be stewards of God's grace toward one another. We're called to extend the same grace that we've been shown by Christ, the same mercy, the same forgiveness. And we must know as a church that what the enemy would want is to... Well, there's so many things running through my head that the enemy would want. But what Christ would want is for us to extend grace and mercy and forgiveness and restoration toward G. For us to stick together as a family. For us to be humble and acknowledge our sins before one another. To be confessing our sins, to be caring for one another. And what God would require of us is that we fix our eyes on Jesus, who is our senior pastor, who is the author and the perfecter of our faith, Christ the righteous, who is the only righteous one, who is the only one who ever promised to never let us down and could keep that promise. Every other person in the whole history of the world and all of our lives will let us down. But Jesus is the source and the center of our lives and our church and all of our hope. And so we keep our eyes on him and in his wonderful sovereignty, 1 John, you want to turn there, as he's been shepherding us, he had us in this text for today. So I would have been preaching this text today. I'll just kind of read it and make a few comments and we'll let it sink in, but last week we, we started First John and this is where Christ has us in this text today, starting in First John chapter 1, starting in verse 5, it says, and this is a message we have heard from him, referring to Jesus, and announced to you that God is light and in him there is no darkness at all. If we say that we have fellowship with him and yet walk in the darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he himself is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. If we say that we have no sin, we're deceiving ourselves. The truth is not in us. But if we confess our sins, he is faithful and righteous to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. Chapter 2, verse 1, my little children, I'm writing these things to you that you may not sin, but if anyone sins, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous, and he himself is a propitiation for our sins, not only ours only, but for those of the whole world. It's so kind of the Lord to have us and his sovereignty in that text. Talking about the fact that God is light and in him there is no darkness. And light is a primary metaphor used for God and his ways throughout scripture. Jesus said, I am the light of the world. Right? His word is a light and a lamp for us. And in scripture, when we read of light, and speaking of truth, understanding, and righteousness, God is light, he's truth, he's righteousness, he's understanding. In him there is no darkness, no untruth, no unrighteousness, no misunderstanding. And so the call for the Christian then since we're connected to Christ through faith, is to walk in the light, to walk in truth, in understanding of God and his word, what it means to follow Christ, and to walk in righteousness. That's a call upon us as Christians. If we say that we have fellowship with Jesus, verse six, and yet walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. Now, verse six, when it says, if we walk in darkness... We lie and don't practice the truth. That doesn't mean that it's expected of Christians that we don't sin. Because verses 8 and 9 tell us that we do sin. In chapter 2, verse 1, it's going to tell, it tells us that when we sin, we have an advocate. So things that happen like yesterday are going to happen in our lives. We all fail in ways that we shock us and shock others. We all have sinned. And yet the call is to walk in righteousness. It's talking about lifestyle. It's talking about our pattern. It's talking about our pursuit. And as God is light, walk in the light. Ephesians 5, 8, and 9 says of us, You were formerly darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. For the fruit of light, here's what light looks like, walking in light, consists in all goodness and righteousness and truth. Trying to learn what is pleasing to the Lord. And that's the journey, isn't it? Trying to learn what is pleasing to the Lord. And the Lord is so kind to us in the way that he leads us in that. And slowly exposes our hearts to the light. And the more we draw near to Jesus, the more light there is. The more understanding, the more truth, the righteousness, the more we see our own darkness. The more we're convicted of these things. The more clear we are on our own unrighteousness. The light exposes our hearts. It exposes our motives. It exposes our actions. That's why there's certain things that we want in the dark. That's why there's certain things that we keep in the dark places of our heart. In John chapter one, John talks about Jesus coming as the light of the world. And it says, but men hated the light because their deeds were evil. The light of Christ exposes us. And so the hope is in verse seven, but if we we walk in the light, as he himself is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, speaking us and God. And the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. So the process of walking is a Christian life. And it's the pursuit of understanding of God and his ways, the truth of God. And it's the pursuit of righteousness as God is righteous. We're to walk in that. But, The blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. In this walk, we will stumble in many ways. And the key is to recognize that, to not deny that. Verse eight, if we say that we have no sin, we're deceiving ourselves and the truth is not in us. And we do that in all sorts of ways. Very few of us, though that was a real problem with the Gnostic roots as we talked about last week in 1 John, very few of us would say, well, I don't sin at all. Although we've had people in this church who came to believe that, I I don't sin at all. I have total sanctification. And they left the church because they realized we don't. So if you do, it's gonna be tough. (laughs) But most of us don't think that, but here's how we deny that we have sin. We say, well, my sin isn't like their sin. His sin is worse than my sin. I would never do that thing. And yet, does God look upon your gossip any differently than he looks upon her adultery? Are the lies that I've told this week any worse in God's eyes than what happened yesterday? We wouldn't usually say, oh, I have no sin. It's a foolish person that says that. We often say, well, my sin isn't like that. But all sin requires the blood of Jesus for atonement. Now, some sin have greater, has greater consequences. We get that. But all sin requires the blood of Jesus for forgiveness. And so instead of saying we have no sin, the glorious hope is given to us in verse nine. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and righteous to forgive us our sins and cleanse us of all unrighteousness. And there's the two opportunities, to deny that we have sin or to confess that we have sin. And here we are, we're found out that as Christians, we have sin. And so often people look at the church and they say, well, they're hypocrites. And they say that because we deny our sin. That's not the call of scripture. Scripture is not to hide our sin or to deny our sin or to cover our sin or to lie about our sin. The call of scripture is to confess our sin. And scripture says, if we deny our sin, we're deceiving ourselves. The truth is not in us. We've broken fellowship with God. But if we confess our sin, He is faithful and just. That means according to the cross of Jesus Christ. Jesus judiciously poured out all of His blood for the forgiveness of our sins. And so the Father, wonderfully in His own sovereignty, is obligated when we confess our sins to forgive us our sins. He's just to do that because Jesus paid the just penalty the full price for our sins. The word in the Greek is homo ligeo. It means to say the same thing, confess. To say the same thing, homo, same, legeo, speak. To speak forth the same thing about ourselves that God sees. That's what it means to confess. It's not as though we're surprising God with our sin. God's not surprised this moment. He's not surprised in our darkest moments. But to confess is to say the same thing about ourselves that God says, that we have sin. And the Holy Spirit convicts us of sin. And the more we draw near to Christ who is light, the more the light exposes our own darkness. And the protocol for the Christian is to say, you're right about that. The light is right. There's darkness here. I say the same thing about myself, God, that you're saying that there's sin and there's failure. So I confess it. And it's not a trite prayer of, oh God, if I've done anything to offend you, please forgive me. It's a precise prayer of God, I have sinned in this way. And your judgment and condemnation of that sin is just and right. Thank you for Jesus who paid the full price for that sin I just committed. And when we do that, he is faithful and just to forgive us that sin and cleanse us of all unrighteousness. Because there are not only the sins that we're aware of, but there are hidden faults, the psalmist said. For every sin we confess, there's multitudinous ones that we're unaware of. But as we come to God with a contrite spirit, he's faithful to forgive, to cleanse repeatedly. Now, when we come to faith in Jesus Christ, we are forgiven once and for all in a judicial sense. Our sins are covered once and for all. But this is talking about real family relationships. It's talking about us as children and God as a father. When we're walking in darkness, we break fellowship with him. That's why it says, but if we walk in the light, we have fellowship with him. We're just pulling away from the light when we're heading into darkness. So to confess our sins is to agree, well, I'm heading into darkness in this area and to head toward the light and have that restoration of fellowship. And the reason why sometimes we feel distant from God is because we feel dirtied by our own sin. But the joy for the Christian is that he cleanses us. He cleanses us of that so that we can draw near with confidence to the throne of grace. The goal of the cross is that we might enjoy forgiveness. He wants to deliver us from self-condemnation and the condemnation of the enemy and the condemnation of the others. The blood of Jesus is too precious for us not to enjoy forgiveness. But enjoying forgiveness... It doesn't mean that we go on sinning. He says in chapter two, verse one, my little children, I'm writing these things to you so that you may not sin. Walk in the light. I'm writing you to encourage you to walk in righteousness and truth and understanding. But if anyone sins, there it is. I'm writing to you so that you will not sin. Okay, here's my goal, not to sin. But when you sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. John uses the same word here about Jesus that Jesus used about the Holy Spirit, parakletos in the Greek, the helper, the advocate, the one who comes alongside, the one who carries us in these times I'm writing these things to you so that you might not sin, pursue righteousness and holiness. But when you sin, you have someone who is for you. You have someone who is always for you, who will never leave you or forsake you. Advocate with the Father an advocate, one who pleads our case before the Father according to the blood that he shed. Jesus Christ, the righteousness, who has become our righteousness. And it says in verse two that he himself is a propitiation for our sins. That word propitiation is just a big word. It means a sacrifice that satisfies the just demands of God. God demands justice for sin. In all of our sin, God is always the most offended party. All sin is sin against God. All debt is debt against God. But Jesus is a propitiation for our sins. The sacrifice that satisfied the righteous judgment and wrath and requirement of God on our behalf not only for us, but for the whole world. That doesn't mean universalism, that just anybody is saved because Jesus died on the cross. Jesus said, broad is the way that leads to destruction, narrow is the way that leads to life. It means that there is more than enough forgiveness in the blood of Jesus Christ for anybody and everybody that would come to him. Lord, we thank you today that you're faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse us. We thank you, Jesus, that you are our advocate. Lord, we're so thankful that you're our advocate with the Father, that you've paid the price for our sins. And Lord, we just lift Pastor G to you right now. Yes. Lord. We love that man. Yes. We love that man and he loves us. And we pray abundant grace and mercy on him. Yes. Abundant grace and mercy. And all whom you would give grace to say it, we say together that we forgive our brother. We're also thankful that it's not one of our big mistakes that are on display today, for I have so many. And we want to together pursue truth and righteousness and understanding. So we pray for our church you would cover us and protect us that love would abound you're calling us to love one another help us to do that lord we pray for our community gosh lord thank you that you will protect your name In our community, Jesus, it's always your name that we want to be famous and exalted. We don't care about the name of reality, we don't care about our personal names, but the name of Jesus.
0: Yes, Lord.
1: Jesus Christ be exalted.
0: Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, that you are the Prince of Peace. just want to thank you for sparing G and Judah's lives. We want to thank you that you are always faithful to April, mm-hmm. Natalie, mm-hmm. Michaela, Mercy, Judah, and G. Mm-hmm. That we together ask that you would cover them with your peace. Lord, we pray for our brother that in this time, God, that he would delight himself in you and you alone. Lord, though his mind, though April's mind and the kids' minds may be going many places that supernaturally, Holy Spirit, they would land at you, Christ Jesus. We believe, Lord, who you are, to be the faithful one, to be our chief shepherd, Lord, we would ask again for us here to search us, Holy Spirit. Try us. Examine our hearts, Lord. See if there's any hurtful way in us and lead us in the way of everlasting, God. Lord, we would dare to ask that you would prove yourself faithful to us. Show us, Daddy, who you are, Lord. What your word says about you, that you would prove it to your bride here. Come God, unite us. You are still worthy. You are still good. You never change, God. Church, let's draw let's
1: draw near to Jesus now. And worship. Communion. Prayer team will be up here. And then after the service, the elders will be in the front for any questions that you have. Anything you want to talk about, we'll be here to talk to you.